I would like to today to begin the idea of the Yetzirah and Yetzatov. What exactly is the Yetzirah, the Yetzatov, both psychologically and spiritually? When the individual or the Neshama is placed in the Guf, the Neshama is aware, it's a self or a consciousness which is aware of itself. You know, it's, it is a being which is aware of itself as a being. Now, it also is aware that it has a will, that it has wants, desires or wishes. That's what the will is, the wanting aspect of a human being. And depending on what it wants, it will strive in that direction. And the human, a person can strive in one of three directions, in thinking, in speaking, and doing. Those are the three areas of activity that people strive in or actually manifest being. They strive in those areas. Machshava Diban Maisa. And but the idea is that the person what does he want to strive in? Well it all depends on what his desires are, his wants are. Now if the Nishama has no desires whatsoever, so it's obviously not going to do anything. So even if the Rabbanishlam gives a task, you remember what the task was? The task was, the, the situation was what? The situation was the absence or the concealment of the presence of the Rabbani Shalom and the Bria. And the task of the individual is to bring back the Rabbani Shalom into the Bria, to Megali Yehudai. To reveal again the presence of the Rabbani Shalom in the Bria. That's the task. Now, if the Nishoma has absolutely no desires whatsoever, so it won't do anything. Why even bother to do a task if there's no desire to do a task? So what the Rebbe does is that it, it gives the Nishama or the human being inclinations or drives which force the individual to choose. Those the Rebbe is not telling the individual what to choose, but the Rebbe wants the individual to be forced to choose and therefore either earn reward or not earn reward. That's like if your job is to get into an arena and fight, somebody has to force you into that arena to fight. Because you can easily choose not even to get into the arena, not even to involve yourself in a conflict. So what the Rebbe does is the Rebbe gives the Neshama desires or wants, which then force it to go and seek fulfillment of those desires. It now must involve itself, engage itself in the task. That's the beginning of the concepts of what the Yitzhah is, or the, the Yitzhah the Yitzhahara, the evil inclination, as we call it, and the Yitzhah the good inclination. So, as a result of the fact that the Neshama is placed in the Guf, as you recall, it severs its relationship with the Rebbe Neshlam, and now immediately loses or has a sense of loss of self. It loses its sense of self. Because it was severed from Dvekas with the Rabbani Shalom. And of course, since one who is connected or dovak to the Rabbani Shalom has the greatest sense of self, because the Rabbani Shalom is the whole idea of, se- of self or being. And the more you're separate from the Rabbani Shalom, the greater is the loss of sense of self. And that is the origin of what's called the drive or desire for self-worth, which I had gone through in the Shiram previously. Now, the Nishoma now has a desire 
or the let's let's look in terms of the Adam, because an Adam is nothing more than the combination of the physical and the spiritual, the Nishama. Now this Adam has a desire for self-worth, to assert or to feel as if it's something or somebody. So the question is, how is it going to fulfill that need, that drive? So what happens is that the Roberta Shlom offers two directions and two opposing forces in either direction which beckon to the individual, come and fulfill it in my direction. And the other forces come and fulfill it in my direction. And both forces incline the individual constantly between them. Between them. So in other words, the desire of the Adam to gain a feeling of worth now has two different directions. And in both directions there is a force which the individual, the Adam, perceives in either way, which is forcing it to go in one direction or to go in another direction. <clears throat> so therefore, the sense of being that an individual is looking for can now be achieved in one of two directions. This is the idea of Yitzras, inclinations. And the Rebbe assigns a Malach. That's the idea where Malach comes in. That the Malach has Shlita, it has dominion over the physical body. It can create anything it wants in the body. So what the idea is that the individual now, since the Neshama is in the Guf, it now begins experiencing physical urges or whatever. Physical ideas. Because the force exists in the body. It's a physical force, physical drive and need. Whether it be physical, psychological, it's still rooted in the body. But the one who's in control of that is a Malach. Now the truth is that every event that happens, everything that exists, is controlled by a Malach. But Malachim are really messengers or agents which are designated to perform certain tasks. That's all they are. And over the body itself, there are Malachim that have been given the assignment to control the physical body. It can produce whatever urge, whatever feeling it wants in the body. Of course, it does it via the physical mechanisms, the human brain and so on. It works ayide teva. In other words, for every urge or every feeling hunger, hunger has a physical base. When you feel hungry, there's something going on in the body. The stomach is rubbing against each other, whatever. And there's no food. You experience that in the mind as hunger. And that is a drive. So there is you who is the self, the person, experiencing drives in the body. And you experience drives in terms of the body and in terms of the mind. The mind has its own forces or needs, which I had mentioned. Adequacy, the need for worth, acceptance and so on. These are drives that the mind gives you. They're not rooted in the body. But the idea is that a malach is behind the force of the body itself. He's the one who originates through Teva, through the physical mechanisms. He's able to give you the feeling of perception of many, many different kinds of feelings and pleasures and so on. It's all based on a Malach, which is based on a physical mechanism. He's the one that controls it. But the reason why I mention Malach is because of the idea of Yetzirah and Yetzirah as being Malach. The truth is that Yetzirah and Yetzirah are physical ideas or psychological ideas. But of course, what gives origin to these physical or psychological 
ideas or drives is malachim. That's why they can create or they can instill in you different feelings and urges which immediately will force you to do certain things. Now you have the free will not to do what the forces. Many times you have a taiva for something and you don't have to listen to that desire, that urge. You have the free will not to be dominated by the urge. But the feeling or the perception of the urge is a yitzer. It's an inclination, depending on what the inclination is. So therefore the idea of what a yitzer is, an inclination, is nothing more than an urge, a drive, or a need that is experienced by you, forcing you in one direction, which you do not necessarily have to go after. But you perceive the force, the drive, and that is called the yitzer because it's inclining you to go after it to fulfill the need or drive whatever that is so we begin to see that an individual has a need for self-worth or to assert or to feel a sense of being and that there are inclinations which originate from alochem and they tamper with the body if you want to look at it that way and they create physical drives and psychological drives in other words bodily drives are created as a result of a spiritual entity called the Malach but we experience them physically and the drive which is a koyach, a force inclines you to go in different directions that's what the Yetzir is physically the way we feel them physically and spiritually they are the Malach controlling those physical urges for instance it says by Yehud and Tomah that Yehuda, when Tamar met him on the road and she presented herself as a prostitute, he wanted to go right by her in the mice of Yehuda and Tamar because she disguised herself because the whole business, and the, 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 the whole story in the Chumash that she was married to his son and he died and he never fulfilled his promise to give her his youngest son so therefore she said, okay, then I, I, she wanted kids so she was now going to entice Yehuda so what happened was Yehuda in the Medrash says he was going to walk right by her I mean it was no big deal for him to avoid the temptation that she was offering him he was that kind of a person but what the Rabbani Shalom did is he took away his Bukhira he commanded the Medrash says he commanded the Malach that controls the drive of lust of Zima the sex drive and he commanded that Malach obviously to increase the drive to such a proportion where Yehuda had no Bukhira there was nothing he could do I mean technically he had the capacity not but the force is so great that in actuality, in no way can you abstain. So therefore, what Yehuda did was not a chet. His bechiru was taken away, is what the Medrash says. Again, we see the idea. Malach didn't come over and hit him on the head and force him to go. No, the Malach works through the physical body by creating the urge. In this case, he accentuated or made much more severe the drive, the sex drive itself. So Yehuda therefore had no Bechira. But in any case, what the Yetzir is. A Yetzir is an inclination and we experience it as a drive and therefore we are inclined in that direction and it originates from a Malach. Now, as I said, there are two drives. So therefore there are different opposing forces which will incline them in different ways or us to go in different directions. Both directions will give us a sense of self. The sum total of all the drives is divided into two directions. One is called Toiv and the other is Ra. And these drives or forces which are acting upon the individual in a bodily fashion, okay, is, has its origin, I should say, in Malochem, 
That's why Yitzhak Tevi Yitzhahara is referred to Malcha Tevi Malcha, uh, Malcha Movis, whatever, and the Yitzhak Tevi also. But the idea is that we experience them as bodily urges which give us directions, and therefore they incline us in certain directions. Now, it's also too important that the Yitzhahara give us needs, but they do not give us the fundamental need of self-worth that we have automatically. They give us the directions from which to fulfill our sense of worth. Okay, the alternative directions, which we'll see. Now, it's also important to understand that a man, Odom, is not evil. When the Rabbani Shalom says by Noach and so on, Ki Odom, the inclination of a man's heart, rak rak is evil all day long. The Rabbani is not saying man is evil. Man is not evil per se. Man has an inclination which tends or which tries to incline him or force him in a direction of evil. But the Rabbi is saying that all he's doing is listening to that force. He's not listening to the other force. It's rak rak layum. The Rabbi doesn't say the kiyo odom rak ra man is evil. The inclination of man's heart, which is his will, his desire, is always in the direction of evil. He's always allowing the evil influence those forces which pull a man toward evil to win. So the idea again is that man is not evil inherently, as some people think, Christians especially, but man is basically a divine being that has an evil inclination, that has an inclination that pulls him or gives him uh, bodily urges which force him in a direction of evil. But man also has a yetzatoy, an actual in- inclination which we'll talk about which actually forces you in the direction of good. And again, we have to understand each one, how they manifest themselves in the body, because then they have meaning. To talk about a malach influencing you does not give you meaning. But to talk about how it manifests itself psychologically, what phenomena, psychological phenomena is based on this, is much more worthwhile. Now, by the way, Rak Ra Kolayoyim is, the end letters of Rak Ra Kolayoyim is Amalek. And Amalek, the reason why he's rak rak kalayoyim is because he is evil. He doesn't incline toward evil. Amalek is the human expression of what a malach would look like. What are the directions? What do I mean by urges and drives uh, which give you a direction to fulfill your needs of self-worth? What does all this mean? Let's begin understanding or analyzing the idea of Yetzirah. Now, Many people try to understand what Yetzirah is. What the Yetzirah is. But it's much more difficult and elusive to define psychologically or in, in real, physical reality what the Yetzirah is. For many reasons. There are several questions which appear. Chazal gives certain statements about the Yetzirah. So it makes it difficult. The first statement that Chazal gives about the Yetzirah is that he appears at 13 years only, 13 years old. That's when he appears. He's not here. A, a human being, an Odom, does not have a Yetzirah until he's 13 years old. He has a Yetzirah as soon as he's born. Because it says in Bracious, La Pesach Chatas Reuvets, Sin lies, couches right at the door. The Rebbe is talking to Cain after he killed Hevel. And he's saying, if you want, you can conquer it. So he says, La Pesach Chatas Reuvets, Sin lies right at the door. What door? When you come right out of the the womb, sin is right there, which means that right at the time you're born, you already have a Yetzirah. 
But the age of Tov comes at 13. So the question is, what happens at 13 that's so radically different than when you're 9 or 8? What, 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 what's, what's going on? What, what does that mean? The second question is certain other very interesting ideas. It says that a cotton is part of a mitzvah. A cherish shaped of a cotton is part of a mitzvah. A cherish is a person who is born deaf and dumb. He is part of a mitzvah. A shaita is a person who is psychotic or insane. He's part of a mitzvah. And the third one is a cotton, a minor. A minor is anybody who is 13 and below, in the case of a male, or 12 in the case of a woman, female. In any case, a cotton is potter. So the question is, why is a cotton potter for mitzvahs? What does that mean? How do we understand that? In addition, there are certain ideas which are, in general, interesting to try to clarify. We notice that adolescence, which approximately begins after 13 and 12, depending on male or female, there are certain interesting kind of phenomena which we see, or behaviors which we see by an adolescent which is different than a child. Adolescents seem to want to find meaning or identity. The whole business of the 60s. This search is a search about something. A search for some kind of identity. Who am, who am I? Uh, meaning. What should I be doing? Which does not occur at all in childhood. It occurs only in adolescence. The question is, why? What does it mean? In addition, do we say that the Yetzatoiv is the Seichel? The intelligence? No, it's maybe at 13 there is a change in intelligence. At 13 there's a, there's a, 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 a fulfillment of the potential of intelligence, but actually it goes on even until about 20. But the idea is that there are many children who are brilliant. What about a child who's, let's say, uh, 9 years old and is a child prodigy? There are many children who are more brilliant than 14-year-olds or 15-year-olds, but yet, according to Chazal, they don't have the age to so obviously it's not going to be intelligence. The intellect, the power of thinking, is not what the Yetzirah is, or else then it wouldn't be related to a specific age. A person could have Yetzirah even, even much younger. So therefore, it's, it's not going to be some kind of uh, the idea of intelligence. <clears throat> also, it's very interesting to know what happens in childhood that's so radically different than what happens in adulthood. What really is the difference between a child and an adult? And a teenage is nothing more than a beginning adult. Teenage is the metamorphosis, time of change. That a child, you go from being a child to an adult, and the teenage is the middle years of change. It's like a, uh, a moth coming from a caterpillar or whatever. Same idea, going through a cocoon stage. In, in mankind, it's represented by the teenage stage. Uh, but in any case, what exactly is the difference between an adult and a child, besides the obvious physical differences and, and, and so on, but what distinguishes them in, 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 in a certain psychological sense, which has meaning for Ashkofa? Now these are the questions that have been asked. And so I'm asking not only what the Yetzirah is, I'm asking you other phenomena, behavioral phenomena, which we see in children, and we see also in adults, and the question is, what are really the differences? Why is a cotton pot of mitzvahs? What's the difference between a child and an adult is? In a, in a, in a, a, a certain from Ashkofer standpoint, uh, we see that uh, the intellect is not the Yitzhak Why is it that adult, adolescents try have this quest for meaning and, and identity and so on? And also, what does it mean that the Yitzhak appears at Yudhi Moshanam?
So we've asked certain questions which are uh, important to answer. In order to understand the Yitzhah Tov, there are certain ideas that we'll go into. And the ideas themselves would present itself. And you'll see more or less what the Yitzhah Tov seems to be. Now remember, a Yitzhah is a drive. That's what it is. It's an inclination. It's something that you experience physically, meaning bodily. It doesn't have to be a physical urge. It can be a psychological urge also. But it's certainly a bodily urge that you experience physically. The key difference between a child and an adult is the fact that a child is not concerned is that if he accommodates or he, if he lives in accordance with the reality he perceives. It doesn't make a difference to him. An adult does. In other words, at 13 years old, what you see automatically and we begin to use the word responsibility, but now you see more, more what it means. A person after 13, or at the beginning of adolescence or whatever, is different because now they want to live in accordance with reality. They have a drive to live with what they understand to be. You don't see that previously. That is what the Yetzirah is. The drive to live in accordance with the reality that you perceive and not to suspend reality or what's the difference is the difference between the Yetzirah the uh, Yetzirah with a child with the Yetzirah without in other words what you were going to mention child why do children play fantasy they can make believe because to them they don't mind if they suspend reality for a while it doesn't make a difference they don't have that drive that they, their actions or behavior is really in an accordance with what they understand to be true they lack that drive. They lack the Yetzirah. The drive that compels or forces somebody to want to live in accordance with reality. And we'll get into what is reality. But there's the drive to live in accordance with that reality. So therefore children engage in fantasy and play. Because it doesn't make a difference. A child is potter from mitzvahs because he has no responsibility. What does responsibility mean? That even though he understands the mitzvah, and he understands the significance and so on, but it doesn't mean he will observe the mitzvah because he doesn't necessarily feel that he has to live in accordance with the reality that he's perceiving. If there's a mitzvah, great. But wait a minute, I want to play something now. I want to do something else now. I, reality, there's a mitzvah, everybody's running to shul or whatever. So what? I'll go and play my, you know, my uh, games right now. There's no concern, there's no drive to want to live with the reality. Therefore, there's no responsibility. Responsibility is where a person is concerned to do the task assigned. In the case of a child, the child has no responsibility because it's not concerned necessary to live in accordance with reality. That's why it's part of the mitzvahs. Because it lacks the yetzatev. As long as you don't have that yetzatev, you cannot be chayv mitzvahs. As long as you don't have an inclination which compels you or forces you in a certain way, I shouldn't say compel, I should say certainly forces you, there is a force existing that pushes you in the direction of living in accordance with reality it, then you don't and children don't have that so what I'm saying is that the Yetzirah is basically the drive or the, the urge that a person feels when he reaches pubescence which is the adolescence or Yudgim Hashanah whatever it's the drive that a person feels that he wants to assume 
what assume the responsibility or to live really in accordance with the reality that he understands. Now, part of this drive is also the idea that a person wants to, if he wants to live in accordance with reality, what is reality, number one, and what is the valued reality? What is the reality which is the which I want to live in accordance with? There are many ways of life. So a person begins to seek value or meaning. So in other words, the adolescent's quest is part of the Yetzir All of a sudden he has this drive of need to live in accordance with reality, and all of a sudden then he must then begin searching reality, his identity, who am I? What is the world? What is the meaning in the world? Because what is the valued reality? What is that reality that I want to live in accordance with? There are many styles of life. That's why an adolescence has those drives. Because that's exactly what Yitzhak Tov is all about. The quest for identity or meaning, the quest to become part of life and to live in accordance with life is the Yitzhak Tov. Therefore, we experience those drives in adolescence, because that is the Yitzhak Tov. We now understand what it means that the Yitzhak Tov appears at Yud Gimoshanim, and this truly does appear at Yud Gimoshanim. It doesn't appear before. And we understand that it's not a child's intellect because a kid can be brilliant but he's not there's no urge or force on him to want to live in accordance with that reality with a meaningful reality what's the difference if he understands reality very well a child who's a child prodigy simply means that he understands reality better than you but that doesn't mean he's interested in living in accordance with reality therefore he's part of mitzvahs that's what differentiates him between an adult or an adolescent and a child and that really is the uh, an essential difference between a child and an adult their attitudes about the way they want to conduct themselves the child wants to conduct himself not always in conformity to reality he can play or do whatever suspend reality and the adult generally lines up his behavior in conformity to reality therefore he searches he has a need to know what is the real truth and not only what is the real truth but what is the real valued truth what is the truth that I should adapt myself to so the search for truth is a Yetzirah so this Morris tries to explain what the Yetzirah is also it's a desire to conform to reality to truth therefore it's a desire as a result of that to know what the truth is and to know what the valued truth is, that truth which presents meaning or that truth which is something that he wants to really live in accordance with. And that truly comes at Yudji Mushanam. Other things come at the... Now the physical urges come obviously when the person is born, but I'll get into that. Now, there is another idea also, another drive which is also part of the Yetzirah. And that drive is what's called guilt. Now. All people have what's called, what they call in psychology a superego, but what it really means is a conscience. If you are going to do something wrong, you feel guilty. There's a certain sense of guilt. That's an emotion. It's a very powerful emotion. It's a very devastating one if you experience it all the time. What does guilt do? What's the need for guilt? Well, what the revolution wants to make sure is he gives you a drive which is going to force you to examine the world force you to examine truth, 
force you to look for meaning okay and as a result of that you will find truth so in other words merely by having a drive to want to know the truth and what is the meaningful truth and to want to accommodate accommodate myself live in accordance with that truth that is a sufficient drive enough to get you to do the avoider but the Bosham also wants you to make sure that you won't do against what you value so therefore you have what's called the emotion of guilt now what is a conscience a conscience is the values that an individual internalizes as he grows up how does a person learn values what is a value a value is truth which is desirable there are truths which are not desirable but then there are truths which are desirable that's a value that's a certain standard where do we learn our values we learn our values first from our family then from the subgroup whatever subgroup you're on uh, religions and so on male female and so on then you learn your values from the society at large and after a while even though the parents are no longer alive you internalize those values in your own mind and you live in accordance with those values and if you deviate from those values you experience guilt so what the Rabbani Shalom does is he not only does he give you a drive to go after valued truth and to live in accordance with it but if you are going to go into the other direction the other physical urges which we'll talk about you are going to feel guilty so he's got two ways of stopping you from listening to the Eight Sahara if you listen to the Eight Sahara you're going to feel guilty because you're going against what you value assuming now the question of course is what do you value as a truth which we'll get into but if you go in the idea or the direction of the physical urges you're going to feel guilty and that's going to stop you and in addition to that he's also got the drive in general to want to search true meaning and live in accordance with that that's all part of what's called the Yitzhah because like I say there are several drives leading in, you in the direction of Toiv which means to derive self-worth from the Avrita. Now, let's assume you go in the direction of Toiv. What does that mean? You search meaning, you search for truth and so on, and then it becomes apparent to you that there exists a Vanishlam and so on. So the idea is that you, Taka, the Eight Toiv is sufficient by itself to get you to find out meaningful truth, value truth, and you have anyway a drive to do in accordance with that and what you do is you find out what's meaningful truth is the, the declaration of the avoido, the mitzvahs and you recall that there are two ways of relating to a mitzvah every mitzvah there are two ways either you're against the mitzvah and you've got to fight yourself or you're for the mitzvah you would have done the mitzvah in the first place but the avoida here is to negate your self-interest and do it only for the interest of the Islam. so in those mitzvahs which you don't want to do then you do it because God wants you to do it. So obviously you're negating your interests because to do the mitzvah self is against self-interest. In those mitzvahs which you would do anyway, even without Rebbein the avoider is to negate yourself and to do only for the Rebbein interests, which I had discussed previously many times. So therefore, by doing that, and therefore a person is made or testifies by doing the avoider, which I had gone to many times, then the person automatically becomes misdabic 
on a ruchnistige plane with the Rebbe and he actually gains a sense of self. And if you recall last week, I had talked about why is it you find Sadiqim do not feel inferior, even though all they're doing is the will of God. A person gains his sense of self by doing his own will, not by doing another will. If you look at a slave, many slaves, slaves tend to have inferiority complexes, because they never do what they want. They're always doing what somebody else, their master wants. But you don't find this to be true by Sadiqim. When we call them Eved Hashem, a servant of God, you don't find a tzaddik to be. They have tremendous sense of selves. They're very strong individuals. And the answer to that is that doing the will of the Rebbe Hashem, negating self, actually gives one a sense of being because you you become spiritually closer. The Neshama is margish, the closeness that the Rebbe Hashem gets, and it automatically feels it. Many times you feel something that you yourself do not know why you feel it, but it's the neshama that feels and you immediately perceive the feeling that the neshama is that the neshama is feeling from elsewhere so therefore as a result of the fact that you are doing the avodah you're negating self you're testifying you are getting closer to the version and the neshama is feeling that closeness and that closeness of course gives you a tremendous sense of self so therefore we see that you've got a yetzer which is the drive ultimately to search for meaningful reality or truth and to live in accordance with that you've got the guilt pushing away the other urges and so on because they are not value truths and if you go in that direction eventually you wind up in doing mitzvahs and doing the mitzvahs you get this tremendous sense of self so the Eitzatoyv is an inclination it's the path that will lead you to a sense of self by eventually doing the This is what the Yitzhah is. And we understand that the Yitzhah has several drives all pushing in that direction. The drive to live in accordance with truth, which is the difference between a child and an adult. And it comes only at 13 years old. The drive to, therefore, to seek knowledge, truth, and meaningful truth, and the ideas of the feeling called guilt now there's something I wanted to also mention and the ideas of guilt what is guilt we see that the idea the emotion of guilt is when you go against your conscience right but what is your conscience it's nothing more than the ideas that you have the value truths that you have that you know you should live in conformity with but the idea is a child cannot search for truth while he's a child so then what's going to give him the value truth which is going to oppose the Yetzirah? Right? All he's got is the Yetzirah, which we'll talk about. He has the Yetzirah, so when who's going to replace the Yetzirah? Even if he has guilt, but that's not going to help him, because who's going to give him the values? He's not searching for himself. What gives him the values, the true values, that he's going to have in order to fight the Yetzirah? And the answer to that is you, as parents. That's the idea of chinuch. There's a mitzvah I say to mechanach your child, because you must give him the values, the true values, the valued truths, which he now can have and therefore feel guilty. So in other words, the only thing he has to keep himself away from the eight Sahara is guilt. He doesn't have the drive to live in accordance with reality. That's the eight Sahara. A child doesn't have the eight Sahara. So then what has he got? 
then the question, the question is, what's going to keep him from falling into the trap of the Eight Sahara, which is the urges which we'll speak about? And the answer to that is, your chinuch, you give him the values, the truths, the values, and he internalizes that, and his guilt will stop him. So he's got guilt that stops him from going in the direction of the Eight Sahara. Assuming you've done your jobs of being mechanach a child, because then he's got the values, the true values, or rather the value truths, those truths that have meaning. If you don't mechanach him, then in no way will he be able to fight an, a tendency to go in the opposite direction. Because even if he has the emotional capacity to feel guilt, he's not going to feel guilty if he doesn't feel it's a value. If he feels it's okay to steal, he's obviously not going to feel bad if he all of a sudden experiences an urge to steal. So the idea of Chinuch is to replace his searching, to give him that conscience, and therefore guilt will, is the mechanism in his case which will help not to go after the Yetzir, the Yetzir horror. However, adults of course have both. But what we understand is that the guilt itself is a mechanism which is in the service of the Yetzir Torah. Make sure that you stick to your values, make sure that you stick to the truths that you perceive as meaningful and valuable. And the guilt, make sure you stick to that. And that helps you not to go against the other inclination, which tells you to go against the truths or values that you have. So guilt is a very important emotion. We begin to understand the reason, the origin and the reasons for guilt, that it fits in with the Yetzirah, as well as the drive for uh, the drive for the need to conform to reality. Now, even though, interesting enough, that guilt starts off immediately in childhood, but it's not the essential Yetzirah. The essential Yetzirah, of course, is the desire to live in accordance with reality, and therefore to search that reality, and to find out what is the meaningful aspect of reality. That is really the Yetzirah. But what's important to understand is that the the idea of what is right and wrong is perceived by a child. That's an intellectual endeavor. A person can know what is right and wrong. A person has a sense of justice. These things are automatically there. A person uh, through a seichel can realize that. But even if you know what's right and wrong, that doesn't mean you're going to do what's right and wrong because you lack the aids of tape. There's no reason necessarily why you want to live in conformity. There's no drive that which, which motivates you to live in accordance with that right as something that you really want to do. I'm not talking about the guilt end of it. You want to, be, you want to live because you're going to feel guilty. No. I'm, talking, I'm not talking about a negative drive. I'm talking about a positive drive. There's no real positive drive that you want to live in accordance with what's right even if you perceive right as a child. What I mean, the Yitzhak doesn't mean that child doesn't know what's right and wrong. A child does know what's right and wrong and has a sense of right and wrong sense of justice and so on, a sense of fair play. Kids have that. The idea is that, so what? There's no drive that will motivate a kid to live in accordance with that sense of fair play, that sense of right and wrong, of good and bad. This is the idea of Yetzirah. So Yetzirah is a drive that motivates or forces. It's a force where a person wants to live automatically. It's just a drive. You feel that I want to do what's right. You didn't necessarily always feel that as a child. And if you did, you want to do what's right because it'll please your parents. It's not something that's inherently in you as a drive. 
okay? You may want to do what's right to please the parents, okay? But if your parents didn't care, would you do that also? No, you probably wouldn't. An adult does things which right and wrong because it inherently wants to do that. It has a drive to want to live in accordance with right and wrong, good and bad, which is really truth, which is valued. That's the difference. It's not reacting to an external motivation. It's Now, of course, that's the Yetzirah. Now, of course, an adult can do evil things also, but that's in the idea of Yetzirah, which we'll get into. But the Yetzirah, the unadulterated, pure Yetzirah, is that idea. The tendency or the urge in a human being at the time of pubescence that it wants to live in accordance with what it feels to be right, good, desirable, whatever. And therefore, it searches reality for the truth and for the meaningful reality because it knows that that is what is good. The meaningful truth is what is good. That is the Yetzirah. And the, a person can obviously understand what is good or bad as a child, but that doesn't mean it wants to live in accordance with that good or bad. If it does, it's many times motivated by parents because it wants to get things or whatever. Uh, and, and, and the idea is that a child can learn to live also in accordance with good. But it has to be taught that. It's not, you're not taught to feel a physical urge, you're inborn. The Yetzirah pops up, it's not a learned idea. If a child learns to be good, and it has a real desire to be good, I'm not saying children have no desire to be good, they do have a desire to be good. It's a learned idea, and it originates from the fact that it wants to listen or accommodate itself to its parents. After a while, the desire to be good becomes internalized, and it really wants to be good as a certain ideal that it wants to uh, do. But it's not something which is a drive which is internal. It's it's a a uh, a um, learned drive. It's not an innate psychological drive, and therefore it can be unlearned. Anything which is learned can be unlearned given the right circumstances but something which is innate can be shaped by learning but the essential drive is always there that's the differences so this is a discussion really about what do we mean by Yetzirah so again to just to summarize the idea that the revolution gave Yitzras inclinations which are drives forces which tend to pull a person in two directions one toward the good one toward the bad and the directions mean that you get pulled in two directions to get this feeling of self. That if you go in the direction of Yetzirah, you get a sense of self. If you go in the direction of Yetzirah, you get a sense of self. But there are two forces acting upon you that pulls you in two different directions that gives you this sense of self. And that the origin of these forces, of course, is a malach. Also what we discuss is the idea of what Yetzirah is. That basically it's an innate drive that comes at 13 that forces you or you perceive a force, an urge to want to live in accordance with what reality is, what the true reality, what truth is in, in other words, and what valued reality is, what you perceive as desirable reality. And you have the urge to live in accordance with that. That alone ensures that you will eventually... Uh, be over the revenge even without uh, just just that drive alone and then the ideas of guilt as a drive which stops you from going against what you value and the idea that you have to mechanach your child and give him the value truth before he gets the Yetzirah and
and that'll help him. And even if he develops a desire, it originates from outside. Yitzhatul, however, originates from inside. Next week, I'll be going into the what the Yitzhahara is, and then what happens as a result. The Yitzhahara, and why is it that the Yitzhatul seems to be losing constantly, as the Rabbi Shalom himself said, uh, What's really going on? At least we understand the idea or the rationale for Yitzhahara, and what the Yitzhatul seems to be psychologically. That's it. Now, today, what I would like to talk about is to go into the idea of Yitzhahara, and how he manifests itself, how it manifests itself in a human being. We talked about the concept called the Yetzir, Yitzris, and we mentioned the fact last time that what a Yetzir is is nothing more than an urge. It's a force of some kind which the person experiences uh, acting upon him or herself. And the Yetzir, there are two of them. There are two forces, two urges both uh, uh, being felt and both exercising itself on the person and pulling in two different directions and representing a force or giving rise to the force in the human being is a malach behind each one but the essential idea is that we're dealing with two urges or two forces which incline the individual toward one of two directions not that he must go either way because he is in the middle but he experiences an urge or a force or a drive and therefore he can go either in one direction, one drive, or in the direction of the other drive. But he is placed in the center of the drives. And I had mentioned last time that the essential idea of the drives is that in both directions a person achieves some kind of self-worth in either way. And uh, if you recall last week I had mentioned the Yetzirah that the Yetzirah is that urge in a person which he experiences at the beginning of pubescence or puberty, Yud Gimoshanam. And what that urge is, a desire, an urge to live in accord with that which he understands to be truth. And in, automatically with this drive or urge is also a desire to know truth, which is reality, and more important to know valued truth, which is meaning. A person strives to know truth, that which is meaningful truth. You know, is that truth which you should want to live in accordance with. And he has this urge to live in accordance with that valued truth that he understands. This is the Yetzir Toiv. And if you recall, I said that if a person does go in that direction, he eventually reaches the idea of Torah and mitzvahs and living in accordance with Torah and mitzvahs gives a person a sense of worth because of his vacus or his attachment to the Rabbi Shalom, which results as uh, uh, because of this which I'll explain I'll explain this a little bit more in detail once we've analyzed the Eight Sahara now the question of course is what is the Eight Sahara now the Eight Sahara again is a Malach but this Malach has control over the human body it means it can get you to experience things because it has control over the guf not over the neshama now this malach is called one of three terms he's either called the Yetzirah he's called the Satan or he's called the Malach Amovis. 
Yetzirah, of course, means the evil inclination. The Sot means the adversary. Or Malachamovas means the angel of death. Now, now, in terms of the Malach himself, why is he called all three things? And the answer is it depends what role he does. The Malach, or rather the, the Sotan, or rather the Sitra Akhra, that's a general term. Sitra Akhra means the other side, means the other side of Fidusha or holiness. When the Sitra Akhra, which is that Malach, is trying to tempt you to do evil, he's called the Yetzirah. Because that's what he's trying to do. He's trying to incline you to evil. After you've gone to evil, he now arises and serves as a prosecutor, an adversary, and he's tovea yuladin. He prosecutes you before the heavenly tribunal, before the Rabbanu Shalom, and tries to get you chayev, that you should get some kind of einish. When he does that, he's called the satan, the adversary. We find by Eov, he's called the satan. The satan appeared before the Rabbanu Shalom by Eov. There, because again, he's the adversary, he's trying to prosecute you, or whatever. Now, the other idea, when after the, the Sitra Akhra has gotten you to do a chet, a sin, he's provided the inclination, the evil urge, right? And he's prosecuted you, means you are now guilty, the Rebbe assigns him to execute the punishment. So he's the executor. He is therefore the Malchamavis. He is the one who does or inflicts the damage or the pain. Now, you'll ask, if, how can one Malach do three things? Because we know that a Malach only does one job, not three jobs. How can one Malach do or be responsible for tempting you, prosecuting you, and executing you? At this, you know, it's one job, or rather it's, it's three jobs. And the answer to that is really one job, because all of it, is to fulfill the concept called din or justice and if you recall justice demands that if you want to receive reward you've got to work for it so there has to be an exact accountability so first what the the malach tries to do is to tempt you he sets up the nisoyen the test situation and the reason why you must be tempted and you must resist that temptation is to earn reward because that's your earn that's why you earn it by resisting temptation so he makes it possible for you to earn reward because what you do is you reject the Yetzirah. If there was no Yetzirah, there would be nothing to reject. Therefore, there's no work that you would do to earn reward. So the Yetzirah presents himself to tempt you and therefore you reject that temptation and that rejection of temptation is the schar that you earn. So that's, but again, that's all in accordance with Din. If you fall into those clutches and you do the Chet, then of course he is responsible for the maintenance or actualization of din. He then is the adversary. He brings you the din. What do you deserve? And of course, if if you do deserve, then he becomes the executor of din. He fulfills justice. So therefore, he is a malchamovas. But it's the same malach in charge of three different functions, which is really only one idea. So Yitzhar again is certain malchamovas. It's all the same thing. And, of course, the Yetzirah has many malachim in charge, or rather sub-malachim in charge of many different areas. But he has an entire hierarchy, or uh, entourage, that do his bidding. And the Rebbe Hashem created him for that specific purpose, to try to tempt you away from doing what the Rebbe Hashem wants. Now, so this is the general idea of who we're talking about when we mean the Yetzirah. So the next question is, of course, what is the Yetzirah?
So that's what the Yetzirah is. The, in, the Malach who's responsible for the maintenance of Din, justice. And as such, he has these three different roles. Now, in his role as tempter, or Yetzirah, what does that mean? How does the Yetzirah tempt? What does that really mean in terms of an Adam? We, we, we recall that an Adam anyway has a drive for self-worth. What the Yetzirah does is he presents him with an urge which gives him a direction of fulfilling or getting a sense of worth, a sense of being, but in a different direction than the Yetzirah. And we'll see that. Now, what, the, what are the urges that the Yetzirah can produce in an individual that gets him to follow that direction? There are basically four. The first thing is that the Yetzirah creates the urges for physical pleasures. He is that entity which actually gives rise to the urges in the physical body. So the urge of pleasure then leads, of course, an individual to fulfilling or satisfying those drives, those urges, needs, which is pleasure. When a person has satisfied his drive of pleasure, he experiences a pleasurable sensation. That's all part of the Yetzirah, okay? As a result of that, when a person experiences pleasure, as a result of the fact that he instituted the actions which bring him pleasure, what does he also experience? He experiences something more than just pleasure. He experiences a certain feeling of well or worth, a sense of self. One of the ways an individual experiences a sense of worth is by exercising being, by fulfilling his will. When you do what you want to do, when you exercise being or exercise will, what you also experience is a sense of self, a sense of being. So therefore the Yetzirah also gives him that sense of worth that he experiences by deriving pleasure, by fulfilling pleasures. The second kind of urge that a person has is an urge for productivity, an urge to do, to accomplish, a drive in that direction. And if a person does go in that direction, what he then experiences is a sense of accomplishment or achievement. It's a certain feeling you get. But when you also experience a sense of accomplishment or achievement, what do you also experience? A sense of worth also. Because one of, the thing, one of the things that gives a person a sense of worth is his sense of achievement, his ability to do, which is proven by the fact that things are done. When a person achieves something, he feels like he's somebody. He has a sense of worth, a sense of respect, a sense of esteem. See, I can do things. And that's a proof of being also, because only true being can do things, can actually have things done. So the second urge that the, a person experiences from the Sitra Akhra, the Sahara, is the sense of productivity, which if he does fulfill, gives a person the sense of achievement. And when a person gets the sense of achievement, he also experiences a sense of self. In addition to that, the third sense or urge that the Sitra Akhra, or rather the Sahara, gives an individual is a sense of power or rather an urge of power, that an individual wants to achieve power over others. And that basically manifests itself in acquiring possessions. Because when a person acquires many possessions, what he begins experiencing is the fulfillment of the urge of power, 
and the feeling that he gets, the satisfaction that he gets, is called a sense of control or mastery. And possessions are that feelings, or rather those things which give one a sense of control or mastery. So the third urge which a person experiences is the urge of power, which gives a person the fulfillment or a sense of achievement, or rather, excuse me, a sense of control or mastery. Again, this feeling of mastery and control, again, is the feeling given by the Sitra Akhwa to the individual. The fourth direction, or the fourth, fourth urge which a Sitra Akhwa, the Yetzirah, gives the individual, is the urge for potency, the feeling or the urge to be able to feel as if you can do things, not only the sense of achievement, the productivity, but just the idea that you have the ability, the capacity, the potency to do things. So therefore, a person has a drive or urge for potency, and when he achieves that through money, by having money, he then achieves a certain sense of potency. Even if you do nothing, even if you don't spend money, you get what's called a certain sense of ability. I can do because I have a lot of money in the bank, like somebody who has a million dollars. He has an incredible sense of his ability to do things. His sense of potency or the ability to do is very strong because he has a tremendous amount of money in the bank. And money, of course, gives an individual the wherewithal to do things. So therefore, the urge for this feeling of potency, and when you achieve it by acquiring money, you achieve a sense of ability, a sense of competency or potency, that also is by the Sitra Akhra. And of course, when you achieve the ability or the feelings of potency, which really becomes omnipotency, what do you really feel like? A tremendous sense of worth and being. So we see that the, the Eight Sahara presents itself in the Odom in four different directions. He gives an individual the urge for pleasure. He gives an individual the urge for productivity. He gives him the urge for power. And he gives him the urge for potency. And in addition, therefore a person is led in the direction of those urges because their forces acting upon him. He experiences those drives or urges and he goes and tries to accomplish it. He accomplishes the urge for pleasure by being engaging in tivus, materialism and all kinds of pleasures. So the Sitra, the Yetzirah then gives him the feeling of pleasure. He accomplishes the urge of productivity by striving in many directions to achieve many things. So he gets a certain sense of achievement, which the Yetzirah gives him. He gets a certain sense of power, or rather mastery and control, when he goes in direction, or is in follows the response to power. And he does that by acquiring vast amounts of possessions, and also taking control of others, by going war to others, physically abusing others, and so on. He accomplishes a sense of mastery, and he accomplishes a sense of potency by acquiring wealth, which gives him a tremendous feeling of potency. So therefore the Yetzirah we see gives you the urge and the fulfillment, the feelings that you get from the fulfillment. And in addition to that, what he gives you really, and that's the whole end all of this all, the objective, is to give you that sense of worth, that sense of being that you accomplish from all these ideas. He gives you that too. As a result of that, you come to a certain belief about yourself. 
that belief is that you think you are somebody. As a result of the urges which force you to strive for those urges, and you get certain feelings as a result of the fulfillment of those urges, you also get the bottom rung of these things, or the uh, basic vehicle of these things, is a sense of self. That feeling that you get, you get a sense of self. As a result of this tremendous sense of self, self-worth or whatever, or uh, feelings of omnipotence, what you then achieve, or what you then get is a sense or a belief of yesh, that you are something, you are somebody. And therefore you have achieved a sense of self-worth. You believe to be somebody. Notice your belief now is yeshayim vaday. That's the way the Yetzirah addresses itself. So what he does, he gives you these urge, so in the end he can give you this sense of being, so that you can come to the false belief that you are somebody. That's what the Yetzirah does. Now, if we look at the reverse, what does the Yetzirah do? Because he, what he will do will be the same as the Yetzirah, but in the opposite direction. The Yetzirah does what? He is the one who gets or gives you the urge, a true urge, not guilt, which means you listen to what's a value truth because you, you don't want to experience emotion called guilt. The Yetzirah is an urge to live in accordance with value truth. It's an inner urge. It's not something which you do as a result of guilt. And that explains the drives of adolescence and so on, for meaning and truth. But it's a real inner urge, where a person wants to understand valued truth, meaning in life, and he wants to live in accordance with that. As a result of that urge, what do you do? You as an individual are then basic, or you find the truth by going and searching through the different chokhmas, wisdoms, knowledges. Eventually you find what the truth is, which we'll speak about more later. What you do is you achieve the understanding of truth and you become aware of the idea of Torah. You learn Torah, you begin to understand the ideas of Torah, and Torah, the Hasaga of Torah, ultimately leads to one idea. You begin to perceive the central idea called Enid Mulvadoi. That in the entire universe, the only being that has any real meaning or truth or value, and the only being that has real existence, is the Rebbe Nishlalim. So what Torah does, it gives you the Hasogah of Enei Mulvadoi. But Torah is more than just the Hasogah of Enei Mulvadoi. Torah also gives you the Avedah. It gives you mitzvahs. And if you recall, all mitzvahs address themselves to you in terms of its chuna, its content, and it's through its form. In other words, you will relate to every mitzvah in one of two ways. Either the mitzvah is in accordance with your will, so then the avodah is to negate your interest and do the thing only for the Rabbani Shalom's will, if you recall. In other words, even if you want to do something, if, even if the Rabbani Shalom had not commanded you, the whole avodah is to negate your self-interest and do it only for the Rabbani Shalom's will. And I gave an example, somebody loves to eat matzahs. That you eat matzah not because you like matzah, because the Rabbani Shalom commanded you to eat matzah, so therefore you negate your interest and do it only for the interest or the idea of the Rabbani Shalom, to give him a nachas ruach, to give the Rabbani Shalom pleasure, so to speak. And the second kind of mitzvah is where you are against the mitzvah, 
and the reason and and the reason why you do the mitzvah, of course, is because again you do it to declare Ainid Mavadai, therefore you mavatil your ratzin. You suspend your will and do his will because only the Bhagavan has true existence. So therefore what the Avoida is is nothing more than the belief of Ainid Mavadai translated into human behavior, into acts. And that's the mitzvah. The mitzvah, which is what the Avoida is, is a translation of the idea of Ainid Mavadai into behavior. It's an actualization of the Hasaga, the comprehension of the concept of Eino Yimavadai into behavior or action. That's what the Avoida is. And every mitzvah addresses up to you in one of two ways and you go in accordance with that. Now, as a result of the fact that you now feel or rather you are masik Eino Yimavadai because your search for truth has led you in that direction. So therefore you are masik Eneid Mavadeh because of the Torah and you feel Eneid Mavadeh because of the Avodah, the mitzvahs. You get this feeling after doing the mitzvahs constantly that the Rebbe is the only thing that really is. And that's the feeling of Eneid Mavadeh which means you begin to feel the negation of your own self in terms of what Moshe Rabbeinu said, Vanachnu Mo, what are we? Moshe Rabbeinu wasn't saying a hasoga, he was saying a feeling that Moshe Rabbeinu felt as if he was really nothing, that the Rabbani Shalom is really everything. So as a result of the feeling of Eneid Mavadai, you then come to the belief of hasoga of Eneid Mavadai. This is what you believe. In other words, the learning of Torah and the doing of mitzvahs gives you the feeling of Eneid Mavadai, which gives you the feeling of a negation of self. As a result of that, the fact, your idea or your understanding is that there is only Eneid Mavadai. But as soon as you're Masik or you really feel Eneid Mavadai and you believe Eneid Mavadai, there are two emotions that immediately arise. The first emotion is called Yira. You stand in awe of the presence of the Rebbein Shlodim. That's when you have awe. When you, in other words, when you're Mastic, the Rabbani Shalom's in all its many different ways, you stand in awe of that being. And the second emotion that you get is Ahava, love. You then begin, you yearn to be with that being. You yearn to be dovak or cling to that being. As a result of your Asaga and your feeling of Enid Mavadoi, which came from your learning of the mitzvahs and doing and learning, uh, doing the mitzvahs and learning Torah, which came from the drive of the Eitzah Tov in the first place to push you in that direction. You now have achieved year and Ava. In other words, you desire to be with the Rabbani Shalom, to unite with the Rabbani Shalom. And that desire is Dvekas. And that Dvekas gives you a tremendous sense of self-worth because you're deriving your sense of being by your yearning to be with Him. So in the end, the Eitzah Tov also pushes you in the direction of worth. But, he, but it does it by getting you to feel Eneid Mavadoi and to believe Eneid Mavadoi. And this creates the emotions of Yir and Ava, which then give you a tremendous sense of worth and being. So we see, therefore, that we have two opposing forces. One is the Eitzah Hara, which gives you urges and gives you feelings if you do those urges. 
and it gives you also the feeling of self-worth and therefore you come to believe in your sense of self but that sense of self is an illusion because what you believe is yeshid nirvadai but that's really an illusion why? because you have if you think about it the pleasures that you've experienced okay are really the pleasures which the Yetzirah itself has given you to experience there's nothing in your being that would really you don't have a being to such an extent where you yourself would have the capacity to experience pleasure or whatever the idea is that the urge itself is a creation of the Yetzirah and the fulfillment of that pleasure it's all an illusion not because you are really something there that gives rise to these urges or whatever but he can manipulate the goof the idea of productivity is also an illusion because what do you really do when you're productive? Why do you have a sense of achievement? You are not the cause of anything. The Rebbe says that only He is the cause of everything. So therefore, your sense of achievement itself is an illusion. You have done nothing. Only the Rebbe has shlita on the Bria or had the ability to achieve. What can you achieve? So therefore, your sense of achievement itself is an illusion. Your sense of power, of course, is also an illusion. Your sense of power, your mastery and control, is an illusion. Again, you have control and mastery over nothing. Otherwise, you should have it over yourself. But the truth is, you have it over nothing. It's only that you feel you have this sense of mastery. But that's an illusion that the Yetzirah is able to give you. So you should come to the belief that you're something. And of course, the last thing, or your feelings of potency, or ability is itself an illusion you can do nothing you have absolutely no potency whatsoever so the entire idea of the Yetzirah is to give you different kinds of urges and feelings so that ultimately you can feel a sense of self and you can believe in your sense of self that you are Yesh but the whole thing is an illusion because according to the reality of it you're really nothing and you possess none of these things the Yetzir is the urge in the reverse direction. He also wants to give you a sense of self. But the only way you can truly get your sense of self is by realizing the true reality of Inigravadoy. Because by forcing you in the direction to search for truth and meaning, and to try to live in accordance with that meaning, you come to the conclusion of Vadai because you learn Torah and you come to the feeling of Vadai because you do the mitzvahs. As a result of that, you truly believe Vadai. And as a result of your belief of Vadai and your sense of existential inferiority, what you then come is the year and av of the Rebbein Shalom. And it is that av or that long for the Rebbein Shalom that gives you the sense of intimacy of closeness with the Rebbe Islam. So you then experience a sense of self because you are intimate, you are dovic in the Rebbe Islam. So it is from him that you are experiencing the sense of self. By being dovic, it's like the same idea, people, for instance, uh, it's what's called identification. People identify with certain ideas and so on, and then they get a sense of security. For instance, a person, like, for instance, a person will identify with the winning ball team give an example why because by saying I'm this I'm, I, I identify with this team that I'm part of this team I therefore have the same sense of strength that this team had or when people identify with causes they identify with countries 
people say I'm an American why are they proud to be an American because America is a very powerful country so they by identifying or by having a sense of closeness or intimacy with America achieve the same feelings of strength it's the same process by identifying or by wanting to be intimate with the Rabbani Shalom you achieve the same sense of strength or being that the Rabbani Shalom has this is a sense of dvikus that a person achieves and therefore by feeling the sense of being you take a come to the real sense or feeling of being that you started out with in the first place so it comes out very interestingly enough that we look at the Yitzhah and Yitzhah as two opposing forces or urges both of them do for you certain things they both give you urges and they both give you fulfillment of that urges but each in the opposite direction the Yitzhah gives you the different urges the four kind of urges the Yitzhah gives you the urge to seek value, truth and to live in accordance both of them give you a sense of fulfillment that you receive the Yitzhah gives you the sense of fulfillment in terms of pleasure and power and mastery and potency and so on. And the Yitzhah gives you the sense of well-being that you feel when you live in accordance with value truth. Both give you a sense of being or feelings of being when you go in different directions. And both give you a belief. But the Yitzhah gives you a belief in your sense of self, in your yeshus. The Yitzhah gives you a sense of belief as any muvadoi. But that Enum Nuvadoi is what exactly gives you the true uh, uh, sense of self by being Mizdabik in the Rabbanishnam. So we now see how they truly are both Yitzris, urges of forces, created by different Malochim, in order to drive you in different directions, where you achieve sense of self either way. But one, paradoxically, you achieve a sense of self by understanding that you are nothing, and the other is a sense of self you achieve by thinking you are something. But that itself is an illusion. Now, where do we see this in the Torah? We see this in the Torah. How do we know that this is the Yetzirah? Because the Rebbe says it. It says in the Chumash, in, in Parshish Ekev, by Shani, that the Rebbe says, watch yourself, lest you forget the Rebbe and not do his mitzvahs. What will make, what will cause you to forget the Rebbe and not do his mitzvahs? What's going to cause you? Four things. But the question is, who's giving you these four things? Why are you going in the direction of those four things? So the answer, of course, is because this is what the Eitzahara does. What are the four things? I had mentioned it previously. Pentechal visavoto, lest you eat and be satisfied. Well, that was the urge for pleasure. Uvotem tevim tivner v'yoshofto. And you will build beautiful houses and you'll dwell in that. What's that? Building houses, the sense of achievement. Again, Yitzhahara. And you will multiply a lot of bok and tsun, a lot of sheep and cattle. What is that? Possessions, the sense of control and mastery. And then the chesev And you will multiply money, silver and gold. Well, that's potency, that's money. There it is. The Rabbani Shalom says that you will go in these four directions. Either the, the urge or the direction of pleasure, the direction of productivity, the direction of, of uh, um, a power, or the direction of potency. Four Ps. You'll go in those directions, and as a result of that, what will happen? You will forget the Rabbani Shalom, 
and you will not do his mitzvahs. But wait a minute, I'm saying that when you do these four things, you also achieve a sense of being, not only the different feelings that you get. And that's exactly what the Rebbein Shalom says. What will happen? Your heart will grow mighty. And you'll forget him, the Rebbein Shalom. And what will you say? And you will say, in your heart. It is the strength of my hands, my strength, my sense of being that has acquired this. So Rebbein says, what will drive you away, or what the ultimate sense that will drive you away, is not because you feel pleasure, you have a sense of achievement, you have a sense of mastery or control, or you have a sense of potency. No, it is the last conclusion, which is the idea of self-worth, that you will say in your heart, that is what's going to drive you away from the Rebbein Shalom. And not to his mitzvahs. Therefore, you should remember. You should remember the Rebbeinu He is the one who gives you strength. He is the only true being. Last is Choyel. He is the only one that gives you the strength. So the Rebbeinu is telling you what the Yitzhara is, because that's exactly what's going to make you forget the Rebbeinu and not to his mitzvahs. Those four directions. But it's not the the feelings that you get from those four directions. It's the underlying feeling of worth and the illusion of being that you have. That's what you're going to achieve. That sense of grandiosity and omnipotency and therefore you will forget the Rabbani That we see it often in the Chumash. Now in addition to that, it says in Bracious Rabbah, it says there when the Rabbani created the Eight Sahara, it says there, what's the Eight Sahara? So it says, it says, if it was not for the Eight Sahara, you would not do four things. You would not, uh, it says there, you would have no houses. You, would not, you, would have, you wouldn't have any bottom houses. You would not marry, you would not have any kids, and you wouldn't engage in business. That's what it says often in the Medrash. If it wasn't for the Eight Sahara. But wait a minute, what is this? Well, you wouldn't have houses, meaning that you wouldn't do what? You wouldn't have sense of achievement in terms of houses. You wouldn't have a wife because there would be no taiva, there would be no sexual desire, there would be no pleasure whatsoever for marriage, so there's no, there's no wife, so that represents the entire idea of pleasures. You wouldn't have any kids because children are the closest things in terms of possessions that give a person a certain sense of, of uh, control or mastery. And you wouldn't engage in business. You wouldn't make money. So the Medrash itself says, if it wasn't for the Eight Sahara, these things would, would cease to be. And of course you need these things, even for the world to continue. So that's what we see what the Sitra Akhra is. The ability or the urges in these four directions, the feelings you get from these four directions, the ultimate feeling of the sense of self, and the illusion that you are somebody, and therefore you'll forget the Rabbani Shlomo. We now see what the Yetzirah and Yetzirah is. This exact equality, both schlepping you in two different directions where you should achieve some sense of worth. But one giving you the sense of worth and a belief which is an illusion because you have nothing in that direction, really. And the other one giving you the sense of worth by negating self. You achieve a true sense of worth by being misdapic in the Rebbein as a result of Yira and Ahava. Now, we see this also interestingly in Pesach. 
I asked, what does all this have to do with Pesach? Everything is the answer. Now, where do we see this all? Is it just convenient that we happen to be a week and a half away from Pesach? Or there's Mamish who fits right into the entire Shia? Well, the truth is it fits into the entire Shia. How? Let me ask different questions on Pesach. We know that Pesach, what the story is, the Yitzis, Mitzrayim, and so on. And the Russian commanded a mitzvah. What's the mitzvah commanded? Chometz. Do not eat chometz. And also eat matzah. So my first question to you then is, what is the significance of chometz and matzah? To eat something flour and water and to stay away from chometz. That's the first question that I would like to ask. Second question that there's very funny halachas, very modern, strange halachas when it comes to chometz. You don't find by any other isa that which is prohibited to eat. The Torah says, do not eat it, okay. But then the Torah says, tashbisu, you have to destroy chametz from your house, which we do, we have beer chametz. You don't have that by other mitzvahs, really. The third halacha is the Torah says, lo elechov lo that chametz cannot be seen in your house, and it cannot be found in your house. You don't have that by any other thing which is forbidden to eat. It's isa re'iyo and isa mitziyo. And the fourth idea is that, Chometz is also the mashahu, that you're not allowed to have a mashahu afilo, even uh, anything, not just a kazais, even a mashahu of chometz, you're not allowed to have. So the question is, how do we understand these four halachas as regards the idea of chometz? The third kasha is, what is the purpose of Yitzhiya's Mitzrayim? What, why did the revolution take the Yidin out of Mitzrayim? What does he want to do with them? Which of course leads us into the fourth question is, what is the essential idea of Pesach? What is the true underlying meaning of Pesach? Well, in order to understand that, all we have to do is go right back to the drasha of Yetzirah and Yetzirah. And that's really what it is. What is matzah? Matzah is flour and water. What is chometz? Chometz is flour and water which has been fermented. In other words, it has risen. There's a lot of hot air or gases or whatever which have risen it. So in other words, chometz is really a distortion of matzah. Right? It's a distortion of matzah. So what matzah symbolizes is the, the thing in itself as it is, and what chometz symbolizes is matzah completely distorted, out of shape, because of the addition of a lot of hot air, which is not part of the matzah. So therefore we see that what the Russian said to clients is, I want you to go to the madriga of matzah and stay away from chometz. What does that mean? What is matzah? Matzah is the thing in itself, which means that matzah is equivalent to an individual who is masik enoid novade, because that's a true perception of self, and he translates that, that belief into action, and therefore he's called an onof. Chometz is a distortion of the matzah, Therefore, what that is, is the version is saying, do not be a gaiva. Do not distort or the illusion of self, which is, that, uh, which is really an illusion. It's a distortion of the etzim of a person, that you are really nothing. So therefore, what chametz is, is the illusion of self, because it, the physically it's a distortion of the matter. So the version is saying, stay away from gaiva or distorting the sense of self which is what the Sitra Ahwa, Yitzhah, tries to give you. So that's what it is. The significance of Chometz and Matzah really is, Matzah is Enoid Muvadoi, and Chometz is Yeshid Muvadoi. It's a distortion of the Matzah itself. Okay? 
So Rabbi Shalom is saying, stay away from Chometz and go only to Matzah. That's the significance of Chometz and Matzah. But wait a minute. How do, to what degree do I stay away from Chometz? So the Rabbi Shalom says, don't eat Chometz, meaning do not imbibe yourself with the ideas of Yesh. Be mavair Chometz from your house. Take this sense of self or distortion and remove it. Work on yourself and remove whatever sense of self you have. Not only do not engage in things which will bring you a distortion of self, eating matzah, bringing from the outside in, but get from the inside out. Remove the chomets from your house. Get the feelings of self, the illusions you have. Get it out of yourself. But wait a minute. How much should I get out? Even a mashahu. I don't want a mashahu of chomets in you. Not even a mashu of gaiva is appropriate. Mamela, even a mashu, an infinitesimal amount of chomet is asa. But wait a minute, we know that gaiva can exist in two forms. A person can be self-complacent but relate to other people very nicely, right? Or a person can be very arrogant, relate in a way where he feels superior to you. So Rebbe says, Lo yero I don't want you to see chomet in yourself. And I don't want it to even be found where it's not seen by others in yourself. That's the Indian of Metziah. In, in other words, when a person looks at you, it should be that when he sees you, that not only does he not see any arrogance, but he shouldn't even see self-complacency. Or rather, that gaiva in an Odom, which cannot be seen outside, because the person's not arrogant, he's only self-complacent, gaiva should not even be found in you not only not seen by others. So in other words, the Bershom says, do not have Chomet where you could see it, and even where it can't be seen, for instance, behind the closet, it shouldn't be found there. So the Bershom says, Gaiva should not be seen in you by others, because if you're arrogant, it can be seen, or it shouldn't even be found in you if it cannot be seen by others, because it's merely self-complacency, where you hold yourself, a, some, where you hold yourself to be somebody, but not greater than another. So if the Rebbe says, it shouldn't be seen in you by others, arrogance or omnipotence, egomaniacal tendencies, or it shouldn't even be found in you where others don't see it. You shouldn't even be self-complacent. In other words, it's what they call kol You shouldn't even be holy of heart. That's, so therefore we have, a uh, second question is answered, why you have the gedorm of the mitzvah, why the mitzvah is in these kind of conditions. Why you're not allowed to eat it, why you, you have to remove it, why it cannot not only be seen in you, cannot even be found in you, and why it's also b'mashu. Because chomets again represents gaiva, and it's interesting to note that the word gaiva comes from the root go'o, which I had mentioned previously, and go'o means to rise or swell. The word gaiva itself, which means to rise or swell, itself is an indication of chomets, which is a rising or swelling of the matzah. It's a distortion of the self, or a distortion of the matzah. So therefore we see that the ideas of chomets and matzah, what they signify, is that the Rebbeinu gave Christ to matzah and chomets. So he told them, do you know why I'm taking you out of Mitzrayim? To come from the Madriga of Chomets into the Madriga of Matzah. To come from the Madriga of Yeshuid Mulvadoi into the Madriga of Enoid Mulvadoi. The mitzvah itself reflects the purpose of Yitzhiya's Mitzrayim. The halochas of Chomets and Matzah reflects the whole idea of Yitzhiya's Mitzrayim. 
So therefore we understand the significance of Chomets and Matzah, we understand the purpose of Yetzirah Mitzrayim, why the Rosh took them out, to go from a state of Chomets to Matzah, we understand the purpose or the essence of Pesach itself is to understand Yeshayid Mavadeh, to go to Enoid Mavadeh, and we understand the reasoning for these halachas. So we see Pesach itself is the grand statement of to go from Yeshayid Mavadeh to Enoid Mavadeh, which is the whole, the entire Mechoma of the Yetzirah and Yetzirah the idea of being or non-being and achieving a sense of being from uh, the uh, feelings of non-being. And we see also that the Eden achieved that murdic. When the Eden went, when they were makabal the Torah, they said, Nasa Venishma. Nasa Venishma means we will do the mitzvah even though we do not understand and then we will try to understand it. Which means that they suspended their faculty of criticism, evaluation. But the, that means that they suspended the entire idea of self. Means there is no self, therefore I will not evaluate anything. So Nasiv and Nishma means that the Jews, in their very acceptance of Torah, forget about the mitzvahs, doing the mitzvahs, but the Kabbalah alone was a statement of So the Rebbeim rewarded them with two crowns, the Medrash says. So, it says that each Malach gave a Jew two crowns, one for Nas and the other for Nishma. And we can understand the two crowns as Yichud Mitziyusa and Yichud Shlitosoi. The f- a crown means, the, s- the significance of a crown means you perceive the crown, or you perceive the Rabbani Shlom. When it says that you receive the crown, means you receive the Hasog of the Rabbani Shlom. The crown is a, Hasog means a comprehension of God. So the first crown they received, or the first comprehension of royalty, or God, was the idea of the unity of his force, Yichud Shlitosai, that God is the only force in the universe. And the second crown they received, the second perception of the Rebbe Islam, is the perception of Yichud Mitzusai, that the God is the only thing that has existence. Those are two crowns they received because of the Kabbalah, which was a statement of Enoid Mavadev. And the Medrash says that they all died, and the reason why they died is because since they perceived Enoid Mavadev, their Mitzis became bottled. And they died. So it comes out that the Jews went from Mitzrayim, the Yetzirah Mitzrayim, and they went all the way to the Enoid Mavadai. And that's why the Rebbe gave them, why they were so busy by Matzah, by Chipozen. They were very busy and they could only have time to make Matzah. The Rebbe arranged in such a way where they only have time to make Matzah because of what the Rebbe was saying, that I am taking you out of Egypt. Leaving Egypt means to become a Matzah. Become Enoid Mavadai. Not like Egypt, which is a Mshimdeg Yeshayid Mavadai. This is basically the, what I wanted to relate to you. The ideas of Yetzirah, Yetzirah, the whole fundamental conflict of man of Enoid Mavadai and Yeshayid Mavadai, and how the essence of Pesach in the Halochas of Chomets and Matzah is nothing more than a statement of Enoid Mavadai as the objective of all Jews.